0: Good morning, Good morning. Uh, whether you are here in person joining us online or indeed if this is your first time uh, with us, we bid you a warm welcome uh, in the name of Christ this morning here at uh, St. Columbus, Deir Um Today we begin with a piece of scripture uh, from Matthew chapter 6. Today uh, in our church calendar is Rogation uh, Sunday, uh, a Sunday whenever as a church we seek a blessing on our streets, uh, on our parish uh, and in our area, if you like. And uh, Matthew chapter six says this. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Now do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl and say they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. Today we pray that the seeds that we sow from here, the light that emanates from us as believers and as a fellowship of believers together, will shine brightly in the streets and in the community around us. And so as we pray, as we begin, let us pray. Father God, as we gather together, as we set time aside to be in this space with you, focus in our minds, our hearts, our souls, our bodies, our whole lives, Father, we pray that You will inspire us today by your Spirit. We thank you that your Spirit is already present with us, living within us and amongst us. We pray today that our ears would be attentive to your whispers, that our eyes would notice your presence, that our hearts would be transformed by your regeneration. Come by the power of your Holy Spirit, change, challenge, renew, convict, encourage us, that our light and our salt might be known in the streets round about us. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand together. We're going to use the Easter uh, cry, Christ is risen. Let's stand um, together. Now, don't be shy as we respond um, to this uh, with the white letters uh, on the screen. Uh, This is the declaration to everyone uh, all abroad. This is what we believe. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah.
1: The lesson is taken from Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit.
0: Thank you, Sheena. So we continue um, our series um, in Galatians, Born to be Free, a series... Uh, seeks to explore what it means to have freedom uh, in Christ, uh, the freedom that we desire. Uh, as we've talked about uh, over the last couple of weeks, freedom is that kind of thing that we all want, we all desire. We don't want to be shackled. We don't want to be imprisoned. We don't want to be held back. We want to be free. But yet freedom comes in Christ with its boundaries. Uh, it comes with boundaries that allow us to flourish. But we were born for this. Before the beginning of time, he ordained, he predestined that he would gather those who believe in him, those who trust in him, to come forward and be free. Last week, we, we talked, we finished off with that illustration about what three words, that little app that allows you to specifically uh, set your location. Well, the three words that set your location as a Christian uh, is faith, grace, and Christ. By faith alone, by grace alone, and through Christ uh, alone. So let us take a moment to pray before we begin into chapter 3. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us. In our own inadequacies, help us to understand your word by your Spirit. Not my words, but your word would speak deep into our hearts, our beings, and our very souls today. In your name. Amen. Chapter 3 of Galatians continues Uh, The conversation about whether it is what we do that justifies us, uh, or it is indeed if Christ has done it, and that's enough. What it is that we do, in other words, the Scripture talks about it. So, is that our works? Is it us trying to earn our own salvation? Us saying that me, James, saying I'm a good person. I go to church. I sing songs. I help other people. I don't do not do acts wire said. So I'm good enough. And Galatians 3 continues that conversation, that tension between what it means to be good, to do good things in Christ's name, but to understand that those things cannot earn us our salvation. Those things cannot take us to the points of the gates of heaven. It is only through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross that can take us to that point. Anything else falls short. Paul's quite clear about that. Jesus was exceptionally clear about that whenever he walked this earth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so that tension, that battle, has raged through the church for centuries. Sometimes we are taught that if we can just do X, Y, or Z, then we will be another step on a journey closer to God. But yet we need to understand that that's not enough. That does not take us over the line. The Apostle James talks about that faith without works is useless, dead. Faith without works is dead, and works without faith is useless. There's no purpose to them. So the two go hand in hand. Whenever we know Christ as our Saviour, the Spirit lives in us. Whenever the Spirit lives in us, we have a desire to do the good things around us. We have a desire to show him to the other people who live around us, our family, our friends, our community. And today in this chapter 3, there's a broad expanse within this chapter. I don't want to try to hone in on uh, one particular verse, but I don't want to uh, miss how this chapter opens because Paul says, you foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you. In other words, who you've been listening to that is leading you astray? If we're not taking our guide from the Scriptures, no matter how eloquent, handsome, or Tarzan-like the preacher might be, um, if we're not taking our guide from the Scriptures, if we are not testing what we hear back to the Word of God and saying, is this right according to the Word of God? then we're not doing our faith justice because we find the truth contained in the Scriptures that has held the church together for centuries and will continue to allow us to be salt and light in the world around us. But verse 5 says this, Does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Does God give you his Spirit. Let's break this first down. Does God give you His Spirit? Well, the answer is yes, He does. The Scriptures are clear about that. Whenever we receive Christ as our Savior, the Spirit comes to live within us. Our bodies become a temple of the Holy Spirit, a place where God dwells. That's why the curtain of the temple was torn in two on that Good Friday. Holy of Holies used to be the only place that the Israelites believed that God's presence dwelt was the Holy of Holies inside the Ark of God. The Temple of the Curtain tore in two because Jesus opens a new way. And the Temple of God's presence now is within His people. And so as He lives in us as believers, He lives in us, the church, as we collectively gather together. That's a foundational question. Does God give you his spirit? Do you recognize God's spirit in your life? Those promptings, those whisperings, those challenges, those convictions. Does God give you his spirit? And work miracles. We see in the pages of Scripture that God worked miracles. In the Old Testament, we see God working miracles through His prophets and His priests. In the New Testament, we see God working miracles through Jesus, the life of Jesus, and through the apostles and the disciples. Today, we still continue to see God's miracles at work in the life of His people, the church. We believe that God can still touch us today. Just one touch from the king is enough to change everything. That's what it is that we believe. That's what it is that we proclaim. That's what it is that we hold firm and true. And often we find ourselves praying for miracles in our darkest moment. Don't we? It's those moments that we find the hardest. It's those moments never the insurmountable mountain, whatever that might be, is in front of us, those are the moments that we pray for the miracles. Those are the moments that we cry out with tears in our eyes, with an outpouring of our hearts, that God would move in that situation. But God moves in situations every single day. It's a whole other set of questions. It's a, whole other, uh, it's a whole other teaching sermon series about why does God move sometimes and doesn't seem to move all of the times whenever we pray. But we pray. We pray that His Spirit present within us will provide the miracle that we need. And often we find that we can be the answer to some of those prayers, don't we? We find that it is, whatever we are prompted to do, Acts, where or Z, that we are the answer to someone else's prayers. Who have been praying for a miracle. Who have been praying for a sign. So does God give you his spirit and work miracles? And does he do that because you observe the law? Does he do that because you're just a good person? Does he do that because you read the Scriptures and you follow it to the letter of the law? You cross the T's and you dot the I's and everything is covered and everything seems to be perfect and you try to do absolutely everything that you can possibly do to ensure that everything is perfect and there is everything presented before God. Is that why he gives you his Spirit and works miracles? In one sense, that's what the Old Testament taught us. That's what the nation of Israel, the people of God, needed to do. They needed to make sure everything was right. They needed to atone for their own sins. But now we live not under the law, but under grace. We live in light of what Christ has done for us. And so we live in a new way. Now, we don't diminish and dismiss the Old Testament because Christ says he didn't come to get rid of it. He came to fulfill it. He came to bring all of those things to a head through himself. So, does God give you his spirit so that you can... Does God give you his spirit and work miracles because you cross the T's and you dot the I's or because you believe in what you've heard? Pages of Scripture are filled with little phrases of it is by faith and not by sight that we walk. Pages of Scripture are filled with those illustrations that are faith is a relational thing between us and God. It's relationship. And we are designed for a relationship, aren't we? We crave relationship. And if the pandemic over the last two and a half years has shown us anything, that social isolation has destroyed some of those relationships that we find quite natural, I know I've said it before, and I'll say it again, I, I'm a learned extrovert. What does that mean? Well, it means I was, I'm naturally more of an introvert than I am an extrovert. So, whenever I was a lot younger, I would have been the shy one hanging behind my mummy's dress. I would have been the shy one sitting in a room, not speaking. But because of what I do, in a sense, I have learned to be an extrovert. It's so not personality is overbearing sometimes for something. No. Uh, but you know, so uh, without my wife, she's out uh, with the kids today, but she'll probably hear this anyway, uh, because you'll tell her. Um, often Shirley is beside me and she'll say, That's enough, James. And sometimes she doesn't even need to speak, she just needs to look. And how do I know? Because we're in a relationship. We have a relationship where we understand each other and she knows for my benefit I need a little bit of a boundary sometimes that says, that's enough. And sometimes not even speaking just the... And I understand that. I respond to that boundary. Freedom in Christ is very similar. It's a relationship between us and him but in that relationship he will admonish us he will speak to us, he will challenge us, to enable us to grow and to flourish and to be the best in the situation that we can find ourselves in. Not because we've crossed the T's and dotted the I's, but because we believe what we have heard, that he died for us, that he rose for us, that he is alive and well, and that he walks with us, that his presence with us brings strength and hope and light into our situations. That's What freedom in Christ is all about. In one sense, whenever we started this today, I said it almost seems like a bit of a mute conversation to ask that question whether it's our own works or whether it's Christ's finished work. It seems like a mute conversation because in our heads we know that it's Christ's finished work. We've heard that. We read it in the Scriptures. We know it in our hearts. But in reality, sometimes we go astray. Sometimes pride rises up within James, and he says, I can do this myself. I can fix this problem. I can sort that out without first taking a step back and praying. Knowing that God is present with me and seeking His counsel, His help, His strength, the oil of His healing, the freedom that He brings to those rusted and tight situations, a bit like the kids talk today, that frees that up to make it easier in that situation. I allow a false sense of my own importance to override the freedom that I have in Jesus Christ. And for that, I need to repent and say sorry. I need to try my best next time. I'm not even try my best. Next time I need not to do it. (laughs) But that's often the way we feel, isn't it? And I said, um, certainly within our life group last week, I said that um, the cross is a great leveler. At the foot of the cross, We are all the same. It doesn't matter your importance in society at the foot of the cross. It doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank account at the foot of the cross. It doesn't matter how many friends you have in real life or online in your social media accounts at the foot of the cross. At the foot of the cross, we are ourselves before our Savior. And in that moment, everything else is stripped away and laid bare, and the reality of our souls is brought out. And in that moment, we can truly find freedom because everything else that we worry about, that we look out for, that we rise as prideful and as self important is taken away from us, and we see who we are. And actually, Difficult as that is, that's a wonderful place to start. The cross being a great leveler. the cross being that place that strips us bare is not an easy topic. It's not a smooth sailing to try to understand that and get to that point. But as we've seen over the last number of weeks, whenever we look up, whenever we call His past faithfulness into our present situation, then we realize that it's not about me, but it is all about Him. Then we realize, as verse 5 says, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you've heard? It's because we believe and have faith in the one who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, seek, or would even dare to imagine. Later on, as Sheena read to us, later on in this passage, we hear that as we observe the law, as we remain under the law, there's a, oh, in a sense, there's, we're, we're cursed because we're held back. We're, we're shaggled down. We're not living by faith. We're not being set free in Christ. We're not stepping out with Jesus on another step on our journey. The Galatian church was exploring a new frontier, and Paul was admonishing them to ensure that they stayed on track. If we allow the law, our own efforts, to be the primary motivator, then we're shackled. We're held back. There's an image going to come on the screen. There's an image of an elephant tied to a very small stick. And the story is told of a man walking past an elephant just like this one day and asking, how come such a strong animal cannot pull that stake out of the ground and walk away? Because initially it was tied to a much larger post. A post that could not have been moved. And gradually the post was diminished, smaller and smaller and smaller. to within the head of the elephant, it believed that it could not move once it was tied to whatever it was tied to. As I googled this um, to get this image, there was a picture of a horse tied to a plastic chair doing exactly the same thing. What's that got to do with this? Often we have allowed the big, difficult hard moments in our lives to tie us down. And even though those difficult and hard moments over a period of months and years have become smaller, we still feel we can't move any farther with God. But He gives us freedom. He removes the shackles, He unties our feet, and He cries, Come. Come take another step towards me. Because God gives you His Spirit and He works miracles not because of what you have done, but because of the faith that you carry through His presence in your life. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us, that your power, your authority, Your grace, your forgiveness is freely available for us. Help us to continue on our journey with you. One more step or a giant leap. Lord, your presence, challenge and convict us this day to move forward with you. In your name, amen. If at any stage during any of these Sundays or and you want something strikes with you there's a, a question within you There's there's a part of you wonders is, is God speaking to me is there a challenge coming within my life how do I become a Christian how do I move forward in my Christian walk let me know uh, we're moving out of that place now where we can grab a cup of coffee uh, together and it becomes easier so please do let me know I'd love to have a conversation with you uh, about that. Uh, we'll conclude by reading uh, from Ephesians chapter 3 today, and it says this. Now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, seek, or imagine, according to his powers at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. May the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.